0: Welcome to the Believe in the Land Show. My name is Andy Billman. Let's take a look back at the week that was in Cleveland sports. What a wild start to the season has been for the Guardians. We've seen some highs, we've seen some lows. We're definitely not seeing many runs and hits at times, so it's been a bit frustrating. Um, it's really been all over the map. We've we've felt every emotion so far this year, but the overall theme, because of losing five straight series heading into today's game with the Twins has been losing. The Guardians don't lose like this under Terry Francona. It's the first time in his career that he's ever lost three straight series. I mean, sorry, five straight series in a row. Not good. Not up to Terry Francona's expectations, certainly, and not up to the Guardians' expectations as well. So it's been hard today, though. They broke that streak. They got the win against Minnesota. Cloud control today was excellent. Excellent. Earlier in the week, they struggled winning one game, coming back in the ninth to beat the Yankees and Clay Holmes. And so they finished a week three and three, and that's about where they are. They're about a 500 team right now. And that's about right. Everything about this week is about what we see for the Guardians. And what I am noticing early on. Is there is some room to be patient. There's other areas where I'm very concerned, and there's other areas that I'm actually really excited. It is again, it's all over the place of the gardens right now. There are certain things in this club that just drive me batty, batty, and drives me crazy. And there's other examples that I see throughout the team that I just can't wait to watch and can't wait to see and experience and. Just gets you excited to be a, a Cleveland Guardians fan. So truly, an all roller coaster experience for our guard so far. So with that in mind, let's take a look at you know all the good, the average, and the not so good. Let's start off with the with the good, the pleasant, and one of those a pleasant surprise. And let's lead off with that. You know, so far, in a Guardians team now, that after today is only you know is really right there you know, it's so early but you always kind of you always kind of look up at the standings you know but they're only two and a half out thirty four games and almost a fourth of the season and this pitching staff that came in the starting pitching staff that came in with injuries with Tristan McKenzie then halfway through Savali Aaron Savali and Tristan McKenzie being missing, you would think this team would be underwater. Espino, who was the young, rising pitcher to be, is, is injured out yeah, for the year. And yet, we have names like Tanner Bybee, who pitched very well against Garrett Cole this week. Logan Allen, who's been solid. Peyton Battenfield, who even in a loss looked incredible against the Twins, looked great. And they've been battle-tested. It isn't like they're doing this against the Royals. They're doing this against the Yankees, the Twins. Big starts for young pitchers. First point of the big positive, the young guns look really good and it looks like they're going to be here for a while in Bybee and Logan Allen. And I don't think Battenfield's going anywhere either, even if he's not a starter. Obviously, he's going to give up his spot to Tristan McKenzie. It's hard not to get excited about these young guns. They throw the ball hard. They look the part. And it's hard to even get one or two young pitchers up. The Guardians have technically three. That is exciting. And remember, their big pitching prospect is not one of the three. The Guardians have produced, again, wonderful young starting pitching. It's unbelievable how they do it. And they do. They do it all the time. Showing up here again, the young, talented pitching. The other big plus I'd say is a positive is Jose Ramirez. Jose Ramirez sometimes gets lost in all these losses, and sometimes, you know, lost in the shuffle, we should say, in all the losing uh with the series. But you know, Jose has already provided several big moments. He is clearly one of the best players in baseball. He is respected that way. And we, as Cleveland fans, should understand that and appreciate him. He is a fantastic player. And again, it's easy to forget about Jose, but he is right there. His home runs aren't where we would like him to be, but everything else is pretty steady Eddie for him. He just gets big Hits and big spots. He just does. Had it again today in the first inning. Gets a big, a big base at the score of the first round of the game. Huge. Right there. Start off the game. It's fun to watch him play. He is truly the MVP in this team. Two positives. The young guns of pitching. They're here. They're not going anywhere. And they're very good. Very good. Bybee especially sticks out. Could be elite. And Jose Ramirez is right where he needs to be. He's playing very well. And he hasn't even gone off yet. He's playing very well. So what's average? Well, I'd say so far there are things in the relief pitching that you kind of snarl at and it's not perfect. But the relief pitching has been average so far. Klosser has been good. Not great. Not elite. James checks up and down. He was good today. Might be bad tomorrow. Sam Hench is coming back. It's a huge lift. Sandlin has not been the prospect they were expecting. Eli Morgan's been pretty good, but again, he's not elite. So the relief pitching is okay. It's average. I think it has a chance to grow throughout the season, but it hasn't been top cut. They've lost a couple games we saw this year and won this week with the Yankees where A couldn't quite close it down. Would have been great for him to get that save in the New York game. Couldn't do it. Couldn't get the save in the prior week either to Boston. Couldn't do it. A is ha- again, he's not elite. Last year he was elite. He didn't very rarely b- blown a save. And If he did, you certainly wouldn't see it in, a, in a like a, a ten day span. He's not elite as he normally is. Some of the rotate, some of the relief pitching that we're used to seeing elites, not quite elite. They aren't bad, but they aren't elite. So they're they're doing good. They're okay, but you're not overly excited about the bullpen. The relief pitching's not exactly where you want it to be right now. Okay, but it's not terrible. You're not blowing things up. You're not scratching your head. If you want one thing to think about. I really do think at some point you're going to see Hunter Gaddis, Pey- Peyton Battenfield, and I think that's going to really help the bullpen. I am concerned about Sandlin. Not sure how much longer you can bring him out there. He just doesn't seem to have it. He's concerning. But Sam Hentges coming back is exciting. He looked really good. It's only been one game, but he looked really good. And Stefan has got good stats, but he he's not... Again, not not elite. Blue save again yesterday against the Twins. Not in a safe situation, but blew the lead. So relief pitching's okay. It's okay. The defense so far for the Guardians has been okay, and this is one you got to more wring your hands about. The reason why I say that is the Guardians' defense last year was very elite. They won four Gold Gloves. Quan Straw, Jimenez, Bieber. They are not close to that right now. The defense that was a big jewel. It was the reason why they went to October baseball. They just don't have the, the defenses. It's not there. And in fact, it's not even elite. It's very average. Very, very average. It's concerning how average it is. They're going to have to figure out, have to figure out how to get back to close to where they were last year. I mean, mean, you can't expect anything, everything you get from the year before. But this has been a big drop off defensively. In particular, to one position of big concern, and that's Mike Zanino and catcher. He is concerning behind the plate. His defensive skills are very much lacking. He is definitely not doing enough behind the plate. Just frankly, he's not. Zanino's got to do better than what he is right now. He just can't seem, at times, he just, I mean, normal balls that come up around the shoulders, they're not even going by. They're going by all the way, though. They're going by, and guys are taking two bases from it. Happened again this week misses a ball shoulder length. Next thing you know, guys on third from first. The Zanino defensive thing is a huge concern, and I'll put on that last one just for him alone. The defense overall, very average. they got to be better than average. They don't have to be elite. they got to be very good and they're not very good right now. They're just okay. Got to get better defense. The Guardians really rely on defense. They have got to do a better job defensively. Have to. It's not good enough. And again, back to Zanino. He's a concern. Defensively, the catcher position for the Guardians is not just a weakness. It's a liability. It's costing them already. They've got to figure something out there. Two other concerns. Now to the other end of this, the home runs are not there; they are last. So there's two ways to look at it. It's not surprising. It's not shocking, I should say, but it's you would like to see more power, but they weren't a power hitting team last year, so you can't be like stunned. But the the home runs are. <laughs> They're just not. I don't want to say they're just not there, and they don't show signs of ever being there this year. And I will say overall that is a long term concern. The Guardians have to figure out next season how to bring some home run pop. I mean, not a lot. Some they just don't have any home run threat. It'd be like a. Major lacking three-point shooting team in basketball. The Guardians are really lacking home run power. They have no home run depth. They just don't have it. Again, not shocking, but it's bad. I mean, the power out of just bad. And it's definitely getting on fans, and it wrinkles fans, and I can understand that. It wrinkles me. Again, it's not, again, we get it. It's not surprising. It isn't. It isn't surprising. But still, you want to see your team hit some home runs. 30th is not acceptable either. It's been really bad. they got to do better than 30th. They've got to figure out in this offseason, how do you get some power? I mean, again, you're not expecting the world, but you got to get some power in there somewhere. And the other big one that's not going so well. Their average and their OBP is way down. It's not good. It's bad. If for a team that's not going to have power, you better get you better have battering averages. And you better be able to get on base. And the Guardians just are not doing that right now. They just are not doing that right now they have to start figuring out ways to get on base they have to get better averaging and it's not just average it's bad they are really behind on both so what that equates to is no runs no traffic on a base path they're not putting pressure on defenses guardians need to do a better job if you're not gonna have power home runs, okay, we get it. It's bad, but okay. But you gotta get on base and you gotta get on on base percentage, and they're just not doing either. All that to be said, wringing our hands four and a half games after Friday night. They're only two and a half out. They have nine more games against the twins. Long season left to go. And for the Guardians to be not playing well, only two and a half out, you take it. This division's a blessing for the Guardians. The division is a huge blessing for this club. Any other division, any other way, they'd be in big trouble right now. AL Central, it's nice and comfy. Nice and comfy. Royals stink. Tigers are hot right now. Twins are not scary. In fact, the Guardians really do well against them. And the White Sox are just unraveling. Having a very strange, bad season so far. Never good to say strange and bad, but they are. They're having a strange and bad season. Very winnable division. Kitty Cats come to town. They need to take out the garbage against Detroit. They need to win two out of three. Get those games back. They lost in Detroit. Young pitching's there, great. J-Rams there, great. Average defense, some other things that are average. There's some other things that have to improve on this team. Okay, we get that. And we, I think over time you'll see better defense. I would hope their average on-base percentage rises up to where they needs to be. Those are things that you would hope for this team that, that doesn't hit the ball hard. There are things that you can do. Guardians, okay week. They really got away with winning one in New York. They should have won another game, but again, couldn't close it out the way they wanted to. So the end of the week, three and three. But again, that's been that's been this club, hasn't it? This club has just been about plodding along, being average. But there they are, two and a half out. We come back. We've had a week to digest. Let's talk a little bit more about the Cleveland Cavaliers. Welcome back to the Believe in the Land show. My name is Andy Billman. If you like this and you like instantaneous, I mean instantaneous, as soon as the game's over, you want analysis on the Guardians. In the fall, the Browns. In the fall, the Cavs. In the fall, the Buckeyes football team. You come check at Official Cleveland Sports, the Believe in the Land experience. At Official Cleveland Sports on Instagram. That is at Official Cleveland Sports on Instagram. Instagram, check it out I'm not on there after every, every game for the Guardians throughout the fall. So there's been a some Cavs stuff here and there, but obviously because their season has ended, there's really not a lot going on with the Cavs, as there shouldn't be. Um, there's still, I think, shock. There's still people who are trying to debate about what the Cavs should do. There was a lot of things this week we we're going to get into about Dylan Brooks but it's still kind of stunning. I think people are having a very, very hard time putting their finger on, you know, the chart saying why this happened the way it did and how we're supposed to feel as Cleveland fans. It's, it's a very wide experience right now. Still for the Cavs fans out there, there's some that say, look, still successful year, even though you fell apart in the playoffs, still very successful year. There's some who's like very successful regular season, but boy, that ending was terrible. And you're concerned. That's me. And there's everybody. And then there's the rest who already jump off the cliff. They don't even remember the regular season. And everything stinks. Everything stinks. I'm not that guy. I was for a little bit. I'm not that guy right now. More in the middle of very good regular season. Some big first steps, which you'd like to see. But there are some concerns. Real concerns. So we talked about on the show. You know, Kobe Altman spoke this week. He he finished runner-up in the, you know, front office uh, awards, which is a nice award. Nice to see. But Kobe Altman's approval rating right now in Cleveland not very high, very, very low. Definitely not a fan favorite right now, and that's understandable. I mean, the, the Cavs really struggled. Really struggled. So what to think about this? How to – You know, when you see things out there like and you're watching the playoffs, like here's just three things that came across my plate this week that I would munch on. I think the obvious one's Dylan Brooks. That was a big topic. He is not being brought back by the Grizzlies. He's he's gone. So should the Cavs invest in, in Dylan Brooks? I say no. His attitude alone is a big turnoff. He's not a team guy. He is definitely likes the villain character. Not something, not something you, you dislike. You want people who have edge. You want people to not sometimes embrace the social reality of being likable. You like that. You like people sometimes that are brash and harsh and just want to win. But there's a difference, too, between villainizing and that bleeding through your locker room. And that's definitely something we're experiencing right now with what happened in Memphis with Dylan Brooks. For all the issues the Cavs had, locker room is not one of them. This team really, really gets along. So for people out there saying, hey, look, it's automatic. He signed Dylan Brooks, everything comes in. I would I would very much caution and pump the brakes. That's not exactly a given. It's not exactly a so-called, It's hey, he's going to come in, he's going to help. I... In looking at Dylan Brooks's numbers, I'm actually the contrarian viewpoint. I actually think, compared to what I've seen so far, and compared to what I'm seeing with Okuro, I actually think Dylan Brooks is an upgrade. Not a huge upgrade. Not a big upgrade, but he, he's better. But I think because of his toughness, and he's tough, he's a tough player. And again, he plays the villain role well. It doesn't necessarily mean he's a great defender. I don't think he's a great defender. I don't. And some of his metrics tell you he's not a good defender. And for his size, he's not a good rebounder. And this team has a hard time rebounding, as we all know. We're not going to go through that again today. So for all those reasons, I don't understand Dylan Brooks. I think it's more of a storyline. It's more, I call it mind gum, where. We're just kind of chewing the fat of anything that comes across, not really digesting what we're hearing or we're, or we're saying. Sign Dylan Brooks, that'd be great. Eh, but is it? Does it make sense? Is it a given that he makes the team better? You think about it some more. You chew on it some more. Don't think it's necessarily a given that this is going to be just a home run, huggable moment for everyone. In fact, it'd probably be a bad move for the Cavs. Number two, for Kobe Altman and the Cavs, and they did some great things. The Mitchell trade was a great trade. They did some other moves that I think were very, very good to help the Cavs get to a fourth seed, home court advantage in the playoffs. I mean, again, we talk about it and we think it's nothing. That's that The Cavs are coming a long way by doing that. A long way. So what's the other half? Well, the other half is you also had some moves that didn't quite go so well. Didn't work out maybe to the perfection, but most part everything worked out. But there's one move in particular that sticks out that is not looking good. The free agency buying out the contract, Kevin Love, doesn't look good. And frankly, it was a fail. And not just a little one, it's a huge fail. It was questioned by NBA insiders like Brian Windhurst and others. And I trust Windhurst. And I actually downplayed Kevin Love free agency. I was part of the problem. I was wrong. Kevin Love would have helped. Kevin Love maybe was more of a problem with the coach than we think. And Kevin Love could have done a lot here. A lot here in Cleveland in the playoffs. And they just didn't go to him enough. And frankly, maybe JB's got some things he needs to work on. Because a Kevin Love would have been a nice fit. Nice fit in the playoffs. I mean, Danny Green did nothing. Nothing, 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 nothing. Kevin Love's situation does not look good. It's not a good situation fit for the Caps. Doesn't look good. This doesn't look good. And then the other thing that's been really prevalent in Cavalier fandom is J.B. Bickerstaff being fired. J.B. Bickerstaff needs to be fired. Well, J.B. Bickerstaff should not be fired because he deserves a second chance to see if he can make adjustments. Was he a perfect coach? No, no, no. And there's no glowing stars for J.B. Bickerstaff. But... There are some things that you have to see if he learns from, and we have to see if he can provide adjustments to make this team better. He has to make some adjustments. J.B. Bickerstaff, though, has to make some adjustments. If we're talking about the same things next year, now I'm starting to hear the echoes. I don't think he's a malcontent. I don't think he's a good coach. He's very average. Which is not something we want to hear. He's average. Did not have a good Playoff round. Don't want to underplay that. Ten, Tom Thibodeau really ran laps around him. But there's still a lot of angry fans for J.B. Bickerstaff's head. I will just tell you in and caution. And we're seeing it again this week. Take a breath. He's going to come back. He deserves the right to come back. He got this team to the playoffs. They took a step forward. That's what sports is about. Didn't make the playoffs. Made the playoffs this year. Didn't have to go through the play-in round. In fact, they got a fourth seed, and they won 51 games. Those are not throwaway stats. That's not a light comment. That's a big deal. Hasn't been easy for the Cavs to win. J.B. Bickerstaff got this team to win. So remember that as you're going through your information. And you're going through, ah, this is fire, J.B. I don't know. Pump the brakes there. But that has been an ongoing theme. There's still people, too, debating Don Mitchell trade. I don't think it's debatable anymore. It really isn't. The Jazz didn't make the playoffs with all those players either. Not that the Jazz are looking to do that. The Jazz' real main piece of that pie, obviously, is the controlled picks. And that's what they want. in the draft picks. That's what they want. But does Laurie Markin and this crew make the playoffs the way they did? Oh, my gosh, no. And, And Mitchell changed everything about the Cavs narratively. Fringe playoff team to playoff playoff team. He was all NBA probably. We still haven't seen that yet, but he's going to be all NBA. Don't play that. Big deal. So this Dylan Brooks chatter. Just to end on that again. Slow down. Really think about what you're saying here. Camaraderie and team chemistry is big. And not only that, is he really that much better of a player defensively? No. In fact, shows he's kind of weak on defense. I, again, I think that's when you really look at the analytics from cleaning the glass, his defensive metrics are not as good as you think. And offensively, he lifts, but he's not left lift enough to bring him in. He's a tough player, but not worth it to bring it in. Welcome back to the Believe in the Land show. My name is Andy Billman. If you love everything you're hearing, if you want instantaneous, I mean instantaneous, thoughts after the final out of any Guardians game, check me out at Official Cleveland Sports on Instagram. That's at Official Cleveland Sports on Instagram. It's part of the Believe in the Land media, which we'll be explaining more throughout the next few weeks. Check it out at Official Cleveland Sports after every Guardians game. There is not much news to report on the Browns. Andrew Barry did do an interview on WKNR, and I listened to it, but really nothing nothing newsworthy or anything um, to really make note. The key thing to remember this time of year with the Browns is it's, as he calls it, spring ball. And just don't get too high or too low over notes throughout. Um, Sometimes we as Browns fans are just holding on to excitement. We are a Brownstown. Browns rule the land for the majority of the year. But it doesn't mean we should be taking every scribble as gospel. would be my word note. The one thing that is happening is what's going on with Deshaun Watson's last case. Tony Busby will be bringing it up in the trial that is upcoming. And that is going to be another background background thing that's going on with this team. It's a very serious matter. And for people who wonder, well, how do we digest this as Browns fans? This is part of what we signed up for when Deshaun Watson came cleveland he had some transact he had some cases against him i believe some of these women are very truthful i'm sure not everything that's being said is true but this young lady who wants to go to court has every right to be heard and we need to and my advice to browns fans is i would read and listen to what she's saying listen to what all parties are saying the defense and the offense and make your own judgment about what you think happens but you i would not put your head in the sand I don't think that's the right thing to do either. Have to accept this is part of the Sean Watson that we got in here in Cleveland. Doesn't mean he can't become a great person after this. Doesn't mean he didn't do these things either, though. So I do believe some of these things really did happen. So that's the Sean Watson that is ongoing. And Tony Busby will be the attorney at hand. And it sounds like from all indications that it is going to go to court at some point. In a civil suit. That criminal court. The Guardians made two transactions that we should discuss and bring up because they're their names. They're names for sure. Let's go with Oscar Gonzalez first, SpongeBob, who is our hero from last year. Didn't get a chance to talk to him in the first segment, but we should mention Oscar. He has really struggled this year. Just one thing a note for Oscar. And not one thing a note for us as Guardians fans. Oscar Gonzalez is struggling. It doesn't mean he stinks. doesn't mean his career is over. Andres Jimenez struggled. He got sent down, came back up. This happens a lot in a second year for a major leaguer, especially. Players get sent down and they can get brought back up. Oscar Gonzalez has some things to work on. I am rooting for Oscar Gonzalez. Hopefully all Guardians fans are rooting for Oscar Gonzalez. And I'm sure we are. Because he is... A great spirit. He was great watching him hit those runs. He's got a great smile, got a great attitude. But he's struggling, and he needs to be sent down. For how long, we'll find out. But he really had a hard time this year getting settled. I think him taking away at-bats from Brendan wasn't fair to the team, wasn't fair to Brendan. They did announce that George Arias is going to be playing as well. So you're going to see a lot more of Arias, who I think deserves some at-bats too. And again, we wish the best for Oscar, but it's not, he doesn't, we don't have time right now for him to figure it out at a big league level, what's going on this swing. And he has some things to figure out this swing. And I believe he will figure it out, by the way. I believe in Oscar Gonzalez. I also believe, too, sometimes you have to send a guy down. And when you bring him back, you know, it's okay. Doesn't mean he stinks. Then there's Zach, please, Zach. Zach is going through a lot as, an Indian slash guardian in his years here. He's gone through a lot of emotion. There was an the incident in Chicago during COVID. There's several incidents on the mound where he got frustrated afterwards and injured himself in his hand. Happened twice, twice in his career. Police Act has admitted through various sources Meaning like we haven't heard him on a record, but, you know, from what's being reported, he has had a hard time finding, I would say, a, a socialization on the team. I think that's fair. I think Plesak's trying to find himself. He also got sent down. Zach Plesak being in Columbus all year is not a good thing. I'm also rooting for Zach Plesak. I want him to figure out what's going on and come back up here and be the best person that he can be. The Guardians right now simply don't need him on top of it because Logan Allen is pitching well. Bybee's pitching well. Battenfield's pitching well. And Bybee, especially, is an elite-looking guy. I think Logan Allen's got very good stuff, and Peyton Battenfield's out pitching right now. Zach Zach. Doesn't mean Zach I can't find it. Those are two big transactions. The Plesak one, you can feel it. You can feel the momentum after the Boston game. He's just giving up too many runs in, in every other appearance. It's not consistent. And Oscar Gonzalez is striking out too much. Not getting on base enough. He's bringing down the lineup. Zach Plesak was bringing down the rotation. They both need to go down to Columbus and get some work done. Let's hope they both get back to Cleveland soon. Refreshed. And Peyton Battenfield earned the spot over Zach Polisak, and the same is true with uh, Willie Brennan and Arias. They earn those thoughts right now over Gonzalez. Finally, on a sad note, it was sad to hear about the passing of Nick Gilbert, Dan Gilbert's son, who was a fixture at many lottery drawings with his bow tie and his spirit. And you could feel Nick's spirit. He just, you just wanted to hug Nick when you watched him. It's very, very sad here they he passed best wishes to all of the Cavs to the Gilberts and everyone that's that's got to be as uh, it's just so sad and so awful and he was such a part of the fabric of the Cavs when we came to lottery drawings and everything else so best wishes and and you know and not best wishes but uh, thoughts and prayers that go out to the Gilberts at this time guardians go three and three Sack and Gonzalez get sent down. They are starting to figure some things out. The lineup is starting. You know, they're, 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 and it's in a process. They are starting rotations pretty close. Can you imagine what's going to be like when McKenzie's back? Getting closer. The Cavs are starting to wind down and starting to wind up the offseason. We'll get into that more next week. And the Browns are, you know, getting ready to get in the middle of spring ball. The Sean Watson case looks like it's going to start to ramp up here in the middle of summer. In the late spring, and then, uh, and then we get to everything else next week with the G- Guardians going back to Detroit and the Tigers, and that's the week that was in Cleveland sports. My name is Andy Billman. Changing outfits midways, I spilled something on my shirt. Have a great week. Check out Believe in the Land on YouTube. Check out Official Cleveland Sports. Check out all things Believe in the Land. See you guys next week.